Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Hello and welcome to the First and Fifteen podcast, Southern Region Coverage. My name is Jay Ballamy and I'm joined by our regular panellist, Lewis Phillips. Hello. Ryan at Home Alone McEvening. Hello. And Luke Warren, champion. What is up, my dudes? Uh, Gareth Price isn't with us yet this evening. Uh, we're not actually sure where he is. We hope he's okay. Uh, if he does join through the podcast, uh, Lewis will do some magical editing to fix it and <laughs> uh, make it all normal. But uh, other than that, lads, how are we doing? Very good, very good. I was going to say, we should, we should start putting his, uh, his face on some milk bottles at this rate because he's always <laughs> missing at the start, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I'm, good. I'm actually pissed off, guys, if I'm being honest. Um, how come? Hurts even asked that. Because have you guys, have you ever known anyone and you've just known that they're better than you are? Like in every measure, basically. Yeah, that's most of my life, mate, to be honest. <laughs> well, like we're, we're on a flag football podcast and against other people in the podcast, I am 0-2. <laughs> um, like, I don't know, like in terms of like, you know, dick size, I, I'm working with an acorn at this point. Like, I don't feel how I can have any credibility here. Do you guys know what I mean? Wait, so against against other people in the podcast, you're zero and two. I know, I know, you lost to the mighty Sealand Seahawks, which is me and Lewis. Exactly. Was there, is is that the two, or is there another loss that I, I don't know about? No, I think it can't. No, that is that is the loss. And I'm counting that I'm, separately. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to count that as double double penetration. Um, <laughs> it was it was definitely more. It, yeah, let me let's not sweep over the fact that you just put double double penetration in there. Um, it was definitely more embarrassing when. So Lewis was obviously playing centre and I was playing quarterback. And then when we got into the inside the five, we just switched because we yeah. just could. Yeah. And and we still scored. And it wasn't it wasn't like there was any like thought behind it. We just decided to do it and we were still better than you. I'll go so far as to say as well that I'm pretty sure that you did it once and I think I was covering you and that went fine. And then you did it twice and, and you got me. I was the I was on the right and the blitz was coming up the left. So I sort of moved slightly more right as well. Then you just headed that direction. I was like, Well, that's that's gone, you know. So not only did you do that, you also did it to me. I, I mean, I, I got an opportunity to actually meet you, Luke, for the first time and speak to you afterwards, which was nice. But I, I did have to console Brian a little bit because I did think he was, uh, he, he was upset, shall we say, with that result. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's difficult. I mean, we talk about it a lot, don't we? We always say the best uh, ability is availability. But I think in this instance, um, you know, that, that, that definitely rang true a little bit. I think they had a sort of, we had like a mix of guys, some new, some old. And I think we were definitely looking forward to some good games. And I think we almost didn't give opponents as good a game as we might have liked to in certain places. But equally, I had a blast. Great bunch of guys. And, you know, I think hopefully, hopefully we gave you a good game, right? You had fun? Yeah, we we well, I won't speak for Lewis, but I think we were a bit surprised to beat you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of starting with that first game of the day, we kind of turned up a bit of a mishmash, the Seahawks, and and we're just like, ah, you know what? We'll have a laugh. We'll throw some balls. We'll score some touchdowns, but nothing too serious. And then came quite close actually to beating the Cougars in the first game. We were like, oh, hang on, we're actually yeah. we're actually not a bad outfit. We can we can go far here. And then when we beat the Flash in our next game, it was like, hey, hang on, we're out of the group. <laughs> we're out of the group. We were shocked to still be in the competition after two games. Um, but yeah, we, we made a decent run at it and we lost to the eventual winners, the Titans. Um, yeah, so the only teams we ended up losing to were the two teams in the final, which isn't too bad. 
Yeah, we didn't have a bad outing. But anyway, we're not here to chat about the uh, the Seahawks' uh, uh, magnificent debut. What we'll do is we'll uh, we'll move on to more regular scheduling and, and talk about Baffer because um, we did manage to miss a, a pre-show uh, prediction. Uh, we've got a bit of catching up to do. So, Luke, you're going to take us through some of your favourite games from the weekend just gone. Uh, and you're going to start with the Cardiff Smoke game. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was um, a bit of a clash of the titans. I know on our side, we were really excited for this game. This is this is what we've had our eye on for a while. We were all very pleased to travel to uh, to Northampton to go play this one. Um, and I, I don't think it disappointed. Like It was a, a real nail-biter between two teams. The score ended up being 37-33. And I think, to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not sure that fully reflects um, how close the game was at times. I think the Hurricanes did get the upper hand fairly early on. Um, Charlie dropped off uh, two picks by I think one player had two picks on the Hurricane side and apologies I always apologise for this every time we're on there's a lot of people in flag football it's taken me a very long time to learn everyone's name so I don't know who you are but you did a great job getting two picks one I believe turned into a pick six which turned the tide in their favour slightly early in the game but some amazing uh, shots we had uh, thrown in there as well though some really good moments some deep balls to Jack Jarrett which went really well we had some amazing stops on defence this time we were really pleased with uh with how everything went on d i think both sides had i think at least four stops each which in a game of like really quality flag football is quite rare so i think d really turned up on the day i believe we had a uh, one if not two picks ourselves as well so a really exciting game really enjoyable a huge credit to, to the hurricanes for winning it it's going to be great you know whenever the rematch comes I like that you. Uh, this is this is a clear definition between Div One and Premiership. Seventy points scored on the day, and you say that the defense has turned up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we we work. I mean, you guys have been to some of those those big um, those big tournaments, like Big Bowl, for example, right in Germany. And I think, and I think I've got this right. I'm pretty sure our offense scored on every single drive of every single game we played, um, and we still we still lost in the semis. Right. So like in flag, you know, my understanding is and admittedly these longer format games, I think you do get more stops. But we kind of work on the basis that if we can get two to three stops for our offense, we expect our offense to go win it. Um, obviously, this is a different type of game and that didn't happen here, but we were very pleased with that number of stops. That's the kind of standard we look to play for is when we're playing these good teams is can we stop them two to three times? You know, I do agree with you there, Luke. I think if you can stop a team once twice you should win the game the, the only the only sort of caveat to this and especially with teams like cardiff and, and smoke um our teams that play each other quite a lot tend to get used to each other's scheme there's a lot more self-scout that goes on there's a lot more yeah. film study that goes on um and you do i think see more stops as a result of that because the offenses have to evolve so quickly over the period of a season um and just to throw it in there the person with the two interceptions was reese jackson Reese Jackson, or congrats yeah. to Reese. I, I was going to give him the, the, the props <laughs> as well because it's actually it's, it's, it's quite interesting because I remember from the 2019 National Championship final, Reese Jackson is the one that got the uh, the game winning pick six. So he's becoming a bit of a thorn in the side to the London Smoke. Man, they they were. I mean, we played them as well in um, in King Bowl over in Amsterdam. So, like, don't, yeah, you're completely right, guys. Like, I I know of of the guys. You know which one I'm likely to line up against. You know, we 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 know the players. So we always get really really excited to play them. It's always a really good game. 
cool. And then the next game you had uh, that you had down was the Rebels versus the Titans. Yeah, I'm still getting used to being this this podcasting um, celebrity, um, and a big part of that job is is making sure you actually watch other people's games and not just think about your own. I was not that good over here, but thankfully the the brilliant Marcus and a big thanks to Marcus for a mug that he gave me. Um, big up the Red Storm, but uh, I was I was really really grateful to him filming the games because I've just been over a little bit of that footage between the Northampton Rebels, and this this is a really good game to watch, guys. If you go on Facebook and you know you're bored for 45 minutes, go ahead and check it out i mean it was a really really close contest there are plenty of defensive stops there's some real highlighted moments um some things that stuck out to me one of their players number 22 again really sorry number 22 i don't know your name i'm, I'm only even fairly confident your number was 22 which but, side uh, north ants that's rashad bailey i believe rashad bailey yeah rashad bailey yeah there we go well i i, I i'm calling him mark andrews right because on offense, when they need bailing out, you just throw it up to the big man. And he has an insane high point ability. He did it to us. He did it to Rebels. He is a monster. You know, that that quarterback can sling it up there and trust him to come down with it, which was really, really cool to see. I think he had some great moments. But not only that, when you go to the defensive side of the ball as well, I think, you know, he was inches away from having multiple interceptions. You know, where he gets like one hand to it and bubbles in the air and he almost brings it in. So uh, an amazing game from him that I think fundamentally won, won them this game. And there's actually a really important moment uh, in that game where the tide kind of turns on a, on a safety that the Blitz is able to get on the Rebels quarterback. And that sort of flips in the Titans' favour and puts them on full attack mode. So a, a really, really exciting game. And on the Rebels' side, um, and I should say this game was 28-19 to the, to the North Ants Titans. But on, on the Rebels side, it's really fun watching them play. We've played them a couple of times as well. You've got this very, I think, smart and intelligent quarterback who's making great decisions. I think flag, you can be such a monstrous force if you're able to just repeatedly hit those kind of seven to 10 yard range, you know, complete grinding those out, just good decision making, being able to put it in a slightly tight window. And, and he does that throughout the game. And I thought that was really, really brilliant. And they were winning at the half, you know, I believe. They, they were doing well through the course of the game. It just started to get away with them from one sort of one safety, like I say, sort of twin span it the other way. And then the Titans sort of ran off with it a little bit. But again, I also wanted to shout out their wide receiver core as well. Really nice one-handed grabs, a lot of show, a lot of flash. There's so much talent on that team. And I think, you know, it, on a different day, this might have gone the Rebels' way. Calvin Talton is the, the quarterback that you're referencing there. And he's been doing that for a long time, almost as long as Neil Henderson, I think. <laughs> got it in there. Got it in there. No, I mean, the, I, I watched a bit of that same film, uh, Luke, before the uh, before the pod, and, and really, what the observation that I sort of made, other than Rashad just being a very good player and and sort of the, the talent was on display from both teams, was um, essentially you're, you've got the Titans there who have got about a squad a squad depth of maybe one and a half players in every single position at least, um, and then the Rebels. It looked like to me came with about seven or seven or eight yeah. different players in and really had to you know, run both ways in a lot of occasions. Do you think that played into potentially the result at any point? Because, I mean, these, I mean, they're understanding long days, but having to, not having the opportunity to sit on the sideline and really think about what's going on, that can affect a team, I think. Well, I mean, yeah, look at look at the flow of the game. I mean, if I'm right, and if I've been doing my analysis right, which is, is always a bit of a brave punch, but about halfway through the game, I mean, the, the Rebels ended on 19, I believe. Um, I still got that wrong. Let me double yeah. check my facts. Yeah. They didn't score in the second half, basically. So if you want to talk about, you know, getting tired and having to go both ways, I think absolutely. You know, I think absolutely that has an impact. And, you know, I've, uh, I don't know if you guys have played in the Ironman one. I believe you both have. I must have got that wrong. Yeah, um, I have. 
that's that's tough man and you you become a worse team throughout the game so yeah definitely you know the best ability is availability and that includes having guys you know at least a squad of 10 i think to make sure that people aren't having to go both ways all the time absolutely cool uh we will leave gareth's uh um fixtures in case he decides to turn up um if not we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll mention some of the highlights at the end um so we'll move swiftly on and home alone i'm going to bump you up a section how important do you feel you're number two in the list now. Mm-hmm. You're ready. Uh, you wanted to talk about the Devils Bucks game. Yeah, so I think this was the um, standout fixture from Division One Southeast this week um, for this game week, um, and I think the Devils really come to play, um, and in my eyes, put the game to bed very early. Um, so we started with the ball um, to go up, um, intercepted Aaron. T- on the following drive, um, and we're up 20 nothing before I feel the game had even begun. So I think this was a very strong showing for the Devils, and the Wolves will definitely have a lot that they probably feel they want to prove going into the next game day where we um, play again. Yeah, so this was an interesting one, I think, having sort of had the chatters around the league. So first question I'll ask you, Home Alone, is your brother's, your brother's down on this game is having four interceptions. <laughs> he did, um, and I think... He was Aaron's number one target um, <laughs> on the game day. So, yeah, I think there was a couple, there was a, more than a couple throws Aaron would like back. And, and I think that really had a lot of effect in the game. Um, anytime you get six interceptions as a whole, as, as Luke mentioned earlier, with just a couple stops in the Prem, if you get six stops in Division One, it's very hard to lose a game, really, especially when our offense is clicking as well as it is right now. Um, the Wolves had only conceded sort of 120 points before this game, so to go in and put 50 up in that manner, I think it's a very big showing for us. Yeah, and, and really to touch on that point, then. So I had a, I had a couple of text exchanges with Aaron uh, pre-game, and he, he sort of suggested that they might be a bit light on the squad. He didn't tell me exactly where, though. Um, given that they gave up 50 points to you guys, do you think it's a case of? And I respect the Reading offense is a very good offense. Do you think it's a case that? Maybe they were missing some pieces on defense. Was was Callum there, for example? Um, Callum was there. Um, for me, I, I think they had almost everyone. I didn't really necessarily recognize anyone stand out that wasn't there. They might have been down a couple of players, but I, I think when we come out and you hit a twenty nil lead very early on, it's hard to sort of throw that away and. As I mentioned, our offences, I think, scoring about 55 points a game on average. It's You can't be making that amount of mistakes in, in them games. And, and I think, like I said, they'll be looking forward to getting a rematch of it. But I think we are as well. And Lewis, you've played both of these teams. Were you surprised by that result? Um, well, it's, I'm not sure because I'm not sure that the Buckinghamshire Wolves, they came out of the, the gates at the beginning of the season really hot. And I just wonder, it would have been really interesting to be there at those early games and see them and watch them on the days um, just to see how they've evolved. I really don't feel as if the Buckinghamshire Wolves we've seen over the last two game days are the same Buckinghamshire Wolves that um, that came out of the gates in the first three. So, uh, I mean, you look at the, the early... Um, the Wolves have now played the Devils and, and the Flash. So the two... The two leading uh, teams in that division. Um, the game against the Flash is a much closer affair. Um, so for me, this this game kind of really draws a line between, uh, you know, the Premiership calibre 
um, Devils and Flash and the rest of that rest of the pack uh, in that division. Um, yeah, I wonder whether, like you say, as, as you say, availability. We don't know who was there. Uh, I think that that'll be the difference. But yeah, I think quite surprising this um, this, this considering that the the Flash game was a lot closer. This is quite a surprising scoreline. Fair enough. Okay. All right. We'll move on to your next fixture then, Home Alone. So you had uh, down the London Flash and Waveney Wolves, which was 59-26 to the Flash. Not a, not a fixture that I would normally expect you to pull out. Why have you Why have you gone for this one? Yeah, so it was a game that was over quite um, early in a way. I think the Flash had a 49-0 lead um, at the half from what I gathered, but um, I really wanted to highlight just how well Waveney then performed um, in that second half. Um we played them in the game afterwards and they're a much, much improved outfit. And I think it just goes to show how quickly teams can develop in division one or just, just by playing the full season. Um, but then to go out and put 26 points in a half against the flash is definitely of note. And mm-hmm. I think going forward, it's really encouraging for the Waveney Wolves. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I now follow the wave in the Instagram now. It's livened up a bit. Um, <laughs> and I did see some of the statistics that were thrown out. So uh, let me ask a few questions here. So, Luke, who who is Joe Poland? Joe Poland? I'm assuming Poland, Poland. Joe Poland. Oh, yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Joe. I know who is surname. he? So, so, so surnames in, in the way our smoke chat works is a big WhatsApp group. So very few people actually have... Um, second name so i i only know people by first name so joe joe could even be a number of people but i'm pretty confident i know which joe it is right so as far as i'm concerned according to the statistics he uh, he played quarterback so first question yeah. where's bry <laughs> i think i think i may have got this wrong i think bry went back to america you guys will know he's uh he's an american fella see i think i think he was back there getting his tan on um uh, if, you, if you don't I, follow follow brian on instagram you know he's always putting so up funny pictures brian's brian's got two instagram accounts he's got his uh, his bt12 underscore baffer which is all <laughs> his footballing pursuits um <laughs> And uh, yeah, you can pay me later, Brian. Um, and he's also <laughs> Does he actually uh, have two accounts. I'm gonna have to go yeah, yeah, because he's, he's also he's also got Tabe's Travels, which is which is all his traveling that he does. And this this is where he was. I I believe he was in Slovenia um, oh, during this weekend. He was in <laughs> he was in Ljubljana, uh, according to his Instagram account, um, where he mostly po- posts all the interesting beers that he drinks on his travels. Oh, I need to follow this account. Absolutely. So, so the worst part of this is that Brian almost definitely would have told me this and I have immediately forgotten it. So that <laughs> yeah. doesn't reflect well. This is the problem with your conversations being recorded, guys. It's overrated. But yeah, no, I, he was away indeed. And Joe, Joe filled in. So where does Joe normally play? Uh, Joe is Joe is the the kind of the backup quarterback um, to Flash. Um, he cemented that. In fact, uh, not so long ago, it was kind of I don't want to call it a contest between them. That's probably a little bit. Of, a, of an over phrase um, but they were definitely kind of both in that that realm where the, you know lots of people felt they could both do it but Joe otherwise can also he's, he's also a brilliant receiver actually I think he plays slot quite a lot um, as well on top of that so yeah he's very very dynamic mover he's, he's also an American I believe and he's got that he's got that kind of innate lateral movement they get really good at um, when they grow up with this kind of sport do you feel like the smoke at this point probably need a, a bit of a quota, don't they, on which how many Americans they can have on their team? <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that, better. but we were I was sat on the Northlands Titans sideline uh, during the Coventry... Um, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, the first yeah. fifteen final. Yeah, the first fifteen final, and there's a oh, lot of American on, accents. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of American accents on that sideline as well. So I'll say that when I was at um, uh, what was it, Sport Munda in Denmark um, with the team, the DBs were myself, a guy called Tyler, a guy called Chris, who I've called Storming Gorman on the show, absolute monster, <laughs> and uh, also Jim Jim Bailey, who I've played with for a while. Uh, I'm the only English person out of those those four. <laughs> so, and these guys, you know, I, I really can't say it enough. I don't want to call it an advantage because they definitely worked for the kind of awareness that they have. You know, it would be silly to just say, oh, you grew up in America, so you just get it. It's not like that. They definitely put effort into it, but they see the game beautifully you know the things they can teach you are incredible and it's it's you know i maybe there should be an american cap in this league i don't know it's it's almost a cheat code you know i mean i'm being flippant of course i i i think the americans coming over make the game better because with flag you could you, you know the numbers are so small in terms of the team you actually need to enter you can have as many teams as you want so i think it just makes the league better in general but um it is funny when you see teams like the smoke just get better by adding american talent as well um and <laughs> we to your point source. lewis and to that point lewis uh the american accent is very similar to that of northamptonshire so uh it may have just been at the locals. Guys, I, <laughs> I need to jump in on this game as well. I promised to read read out a message I got from a rather angry fan. Um, this is oh, the closest right. I've had to a death threat so far. So oh dear, we've we've had a guys. negative review, list, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> a negative, negative review slash you know advice for improvement, right? And listen, look, listeners, before you get overexcited and think you can just send me anything and I'll I'll sort of repeat you on the podcast. Don't think that. All right, I don't care about your views and opinions. It's just this guy in particular. <laughs> scary and i'm worried what he'd do to me if i didn't repeat what he said okay so he has a very specific angle on me the rest of you go to hell but here we go guys i'll, I'll read this one out for you this is what he said he said this is what i want to say to those offensive melons and when he says offensive he doesn't mean that you are offensive i know you're offensive but he more means offensive side of the ball i believe it's easy to talk about offense and how they scored so much what an absolute snooze fest i challenge this podcast to look at defense and the stats teams are putting up there for example the devils have three to four out of five game clean sheet which is crazy amazing in them and, and i think uh home alone you'll be able to break that down in great detail with it so he says i know it's asking a lot but i believe in them to do this and i also demand that blitz six becomes a recognized stat that gets a shout out every time we do an episode so i think the latter part of that we can completely ignore because that would be pain in the ass to keep track of but the former part could we do a better job on talking about defense what do we think guys well i think we could uh and i sort of have some statistics in front of me which would be very timely if that helps so i've been on the internet Oh, dangerous place for me to go uh (laughs) and on the the waveney walls in the uh, london flash game uh had two pick sixes uh one by o bird doesn't have a first name just o (laughs) and the second by i'm assuming it's gonna be aiden or aaron i think i I feel like I, i feel like i've met him uh, Monroe had a pick six as well. So twenty six points by Wave Wall. It's Alistair. It's Alistair. Okay. Well, look, this <laughs> one of one of the three potential names that begin with A, and I've picked the other two because um, there are. Uh, so yeah, two pick sixes in that game. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty big. I mean, Home Alone, did you do you see the game to to actually see that? Unfortunately, not. No, we were facing the Wolves at this time, but I, I think Wave did seem very happy with that half at least um and the result in the end so two peaks pick sixes is something to be very happy with regardless of the scoreline anyway so good job home alone you're on you're on an absolute firepower defense at the moment right i mean that's the one that's the shout out and then i you know i don't always get to look at games but it does seem like you put up some big stores but also hold teams to quite a low score which is no easy thing in flag how are you guys doing that 
Well, I'll give all credit to that, to James Hegarty, who runs um, our defence, but it's very much a Bill Belichick style, bend but don't break. Um, and we've got a lot of people who are very hungry for the football, I'll, I'll say. Um, you can go look at the interceptions list and it's very prominent with Devils. So creating stops and creating turnovers is the easiest way to stop an offence scoring. So uh, I give all credit to Heggs, but that's my analysis of it. Yeah, I mean, I had the, I had the slight insight here of playing for the Reading um, team in a tournament up in, uh, I can't remember what it was, I think it was AFL, um, at safety on their defence for a, for a day. And <clears throat> that the, the system they run is, I won't give too much away, the system they run <laughs> is so so intricately detailed, but also the, the, pe- the people's, or the personnel's commitment to trying to get the ball out of the air, especially in the low red zone, is is absolutely amazing. I think... It's it's the good blend. If you're looking at why they have so many shutouts, it's a good blend of good scheme and people in the right positions in the right roles to ha- make them have success. Mm. You know, if I if I take Callum, who had that four interception run in the game we just talked about, for example, Callum by trait is a receiver really, and I and I think in a one high safety, if you if you made him go and play a, a one high look or a, um, a a traditional cover two where he's got to sit on an island and be conservative, he wouldn't nearly be as effective. But in his role on that team, where he can, on occasion, be very aggressive to the ball with his receiver background, it suits him down to a tee, and, he, and he's able to generate turnovers as a result. So, defensively, I think that unit is coached very well by Hegarty, very disciplined as a result of that. But also, I've, I've been put in great positions to make good plays. Well, fantastic! A lot of credit where credit's due. That's awesome if stuff. You, if we're uh, if we're talking defense, I know that. Uh, there's one person in the Southwest in particular who will be absolutely shivering on the edge of his seat if he, uh, <laughs> if, waiting to hear his name called. Um, so I'll release the pressure on him uh, and I give him a shout out. <laughs> uh, you want you want defensive stats? David Camp with oh, count him six. Six sacks in a single game uh, against the Salisbury City Marauders uh, and put in a, a safety in there as well. So uh, there you go, Dave. It's monstrous. I mean, a safety in this game is devastating. Really is devastating, isn't it? Because it allows you to get, you know, if you're tied, it allows you to take it a score ahead and then you add the two points on as well. So you can convert to being basically two scores ahead, which is unbelievable, you know? And then, Luke, just finally, just to round that back off um, in terms of the sort of Flash and Waveney game, obviously you're in that Flash smoke camp. What, what, what do you think of the, or what was your colleague's opinion on the uh, Waveney offense, sorry, Waveney defense against that, that Flash offense? So 59 points is, is a good tally, obviously, but it's probably lower than we would have expected given some of the other results. Yeah, Jay, I'll round your back off any time, mate. Uh, I, I think it is. <laughs> I, I think. I mean, I, I haven't had a chance to catch up with many of the boys. I'll, I'll, what I will say is, if I'm right, I'm, I'm trying to find it. I'm quickly clicking on my laptop. I like to keep all the scores in front of me. Does anyone know how many games the Flash have played? Uh, 12 they've played. 12 games. And I believe they've not lost a single one of those. That is correct. So I think the guys are too busy, uh, jacked up on 12 wins, which they should be. And, you know, uh, at a certain point, don't, don't, don't really mind what people put on them at this point. I think they are just really happy to be where they are. It sounds like the Wolves had a great second half and, and, and credit to them. But yeah, I've heard no reports about why the game, which, which way or one way. But I, I'd be remiss of me to say that all I, all I do know is I've seen all the posts and messages about how, just how well they're doing. And to be 12-0 is just no light achievement. Fair enough. 
Cool. We'll take a little break then from our, our normal BAFA uh, coverage then. And we'll, we'll, we'll ask lads a, a flagosophical question. Um, and as always, listeners, please do feel free to get involved and uh, message us at Lewis Phillips uh, <laughs> on Facebook. Um, the question I have for you today, boys, is, is there room in BAFA for a Division 2? Who would like to go first? I'll jump in. I think there is a need for a Division 2, but I don't necessarily think we have the room right now. Okay, explain. Why do you think there's a need? Let's start with that point. I think teams that start up, especially I think in our um, in Division 1 this year in the South, there is a very clear line between the teams that have played before and teams that are kind of fresh this year or fresh in very recent years. And, and I think it doesn't help necessarily anyone in terms of the better teams. They don't really gain anything from playing the smaller teams. And the small teams don't really necessarily gain much from playing the better teams when it is so one-sided. I think that as the sport progresses, there is definitely going to be a need to split those groups up. And I think it would help um, those bottom teams massively because they'll be playing teams at, at their own level. Um, so they've got chances to go and win games and see a lot more scenarios and just getting beaten up badly in them sort of games. Obviously, I think there's going to be some like, exceptions to this rule. Um, I think the Cardiff Bay Coyotes have done very well and been very competitive in a lot of their games. But I think looking at teams like Solent, like Waveney, they could definitely do with just playing teams at that sort of level for at least a year before they step up. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I think there's, um, there is a, a need for it because, like you say, there's, there's clear divisions, not just between those teams that uh, are, are premiership bound and the rest of Div 1, but there's a, a, then another clear divide between those sort of middle, mid-table teams and the teams that are propping the table up. Um the only thing, of course, is is geography and and the number of teams. Now we we do have a lot of teams in the south. Um, we've more teams in the south in the southern region than we do. Than we, uh, there's more teams in the southern region than there are in northern region or, or the HNC. You certainly couldn't do in the HNC. Um, I don't think uh, the Highlands Division One has got the same disparity. I think they're all quite competitive, more or less, up there. Um, then. Uh, but in the south, you could definitely do it just by the number of teams. Um, there's more number of teams and uh, the quality, the disparity is much larger. But like you say, um, it's, it's difficult to do because realistically, you're going to end up with divisions of only like maybe three or four teams in Division 1. So I think it's certainly something that is, is on the horizon. Um, but we need more teams to sign up to the league. I'll sort of flip it around and, and possibly, Luke, this is maybe where you can have more of an opinion because you won't have played <laughs> some of these teams. Um, you know, I, I, I joined I joined flag football when it was more of a, a flat structure. Um, and we, you know, like my first game, I think, was against the London Rebels, who went on to win the whole thing that year. Uh, and we got battered unsurprisingly but we learned a lot from doing that so does there need to be a flatter structure in that sense you know is it a case of you get very very localized and it becomes more of a college football style approach to it and you end up with a national ranking 
Oh, I mean, my my answer, Jay, won't knock your socks off. Not that you'd you'd allow me to, but I think that <laughs> I, I think I think I think you know what what are we looking at here? I think if you bring it back to basis, like what what's the the kind of purpose, the telos, to use the fancy Greek term, um, for why why we have this league, why we set it up in a particular way, and I, I I think you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we set it up in a particular way so that everyone has fun, and I think like people on this call are saying, when you get battered. Okay, once or twice, it can be a big learning experience. You can get something like that. But most of the time, it sucks. And there's only so many times one team gives you a smattering that you carry on learning a lot. Now, now I don't want to be defeatist in any sense there. But I do think if you're turning up to game after game and struggling, when you could be in a league where perhaps you're more competitive, perhaps you get to enjoy yourself a bit more, maybe that is a good thing. But, you know, tr- truth be told, my, my answer here is, is uh, from a very limited perspective. I don't, I don't sort of seen some of the Div 1 games. I think you guys have told me about them. I get the sense sometimes that people do do get a little bit of a hammering, which tells me maybe there is room. But I think if we bring it back to basics and say what would be the most fun for everyone, I think we'll find the answer in there. Not that I have the answer. Uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of disagree there because um, I think this isn't it's not really set up for fun. Like the tournaments outside of it and um, other competitions that go on, like Southwest Series, like the Winter League and the HNC, like that's that stuff's for fun, but. This is the National League. There's there's prestige on the line, and and that's where it's, it's all about creating the best and most competitive uh, football that we can. Which is kind of why the Premiership was created, because there was nobody was really or very little, uh, very few people were learning anything from being absolutely hammered by uh, the smoke and the hurricanes. Not smoke, the rebels and the hurricanes, uh, week in week out. Um, there are again, like Homelon says, there's exceptions to the rule, and I think that depends on personnel. Uh, you know, you've got you've got people within, or you, know, you had people within that Reading. Uh, what were you? The Knights, that Knights organization back then, um, who are smart enough to be able to take those lessons and apply them. Um, whereas, I'm, I'm not sure that some of the teams that maybe spring to mind for what we might consider to be Div Two worthy, whether they've got that kind of coaching experience and football knowledge to to be able to take an awful lot away or, or perhaps they don't have you know the the film kind of facilities to be able to review games and, and and learn those lessons and apply them to practice so they're doomed to make the same mistakes over and over so and that's you make a really interesting point there lewis about the quality of football because you know teams weren't getting better in that flat structure do you think the quality of division one football has gotten better over the last five years yeah, hundred percent. I think so. Um, and, do you, and do you think that's do you think that's attributed to the fact that there's no longer Premiership teams in there? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because I mean, there's there's still plenty of opportunity to have friendlies and go to tournaments and play those um, those better teams if you're ready. Like five years ago, Exeter Falcons were playing uh, the Cardiff Hurricanes and getting battered, and we weren't in a position where we could really benefit from those experiences and take take learning points away now i'm a we've got a bit a bit of a better structure i'm a you know a more experienced and a coach and um i i know how to sort of apply we, we film all our games and and i've got co- uh, like assistant coaches around me and together we can you know learn lessons we wouldn't have been able to do that five years ago we would have just been doomed to get battered you know, week in week out but not everyone is on that kind of same trajectory is i think the 
the Reading Knights slash Reading Devils um, were able to take those lessons and, and get better faster, whereas I think there are teams that have been a little slower to improve from from those kind of from those kind of games. Yeah, I mean, you're saying Reading got quicker, better, faster. But I mean, you got to remember this is this is Reading's what sixth season home alone, fifth season, something like that. You know, it's still taken them a while to get to a point where they are Premiership ready. Um, but you know, and, and let's let's talk about Division Two teams here and potentially some of the candidates that would go into it. I mean, do we think that they would get better from being in their own division, point blank? I'll jump in here and say I think they will. I think there's a lot of value that can be taken from playing against teams your own level, even if you're marginally better or worse. I think that's when you start to get the lessons that are worth taking. Um, I've done some quick maths um, and I've got um, in aggregate score lines for some of the Division 1 games um, in terms of home and away technically. Uh, I've got 118 to 19. Um, and then there's 138 to six. And you can arguably say that the teams on the receiving ends of those games are never going to learn anything from that. And you can say that the result is very much predetermined there. But would they then go and learn more from an aggregate score line where they lose by, say, 10 or 20? I, I think so. I think you can take valuable lessons and say, in this situation, we should have done this again. Whereas when you get beaten up that badly, you just kind of throw away the tape and say we'll go again next time. Interesting. I'll wrap it up there just so we don't go you know, too far into our other Baffer segments about this. But probably an interesting question that comes out the back of that and maybe one for another podcast is, you know, what is the effect on what is what is the effect of individual coaching on a team in comparison to just having a player led system? Um, I, I shall write that down so that we have a, a topic for next time. Um, anyway, we shall move back on. So, Lewis, we're, we're going to come back to the South West uh, game day that you were attending, and, and I also was there, so I can add some uh, some flavour to the day if we need to. And you wanted to talk about the Falcons Gators game to uh, to start us off. Yeah, surprise, surprise, right? Me talking about the Falcons. Um... You never do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think this was um, this was. Arguably, the uh, the marquee matchup going into this game day. I don't think it was necessarily the most uh, exciting matchup. Um, now that we've seen all the scores, but I think going into the game day, uh, this was this was a, yeah, it's, a it's the one I would have circled. Yeah, one. yeah, because I mean, you've got you've got two teams that are topping off the division at the minute, um, and they it's the second time they meet in, and the first time they met, they tied. So you know, it's got all those kind of headlines. Um, so yeah, we we were certainly uh, more focused on this perhaps than than our second game against Salisbury, but um, a really close affair, really tight affair, went back and forth. Um, some interesting plays were made. I tried. We were. I mean, right at the end of the game, we were uh, we were just trying to kill the clock, and just a little pitch play. Um, Lee White managed to uh, to tip my pitch um, and and actually scooped it and almost took it in. Um, so really interesting little plays like that. But yeah, the game went back and forth, back and forth. I think what actually swung it in the end was we we, we took the um, took the go-ahead score and then followed it up with a pick six. Uh, and then I just don't think there was enough enough time on the clock for Gators to overcome a two-score lead. They did come back and score, but it was 
time up by then uh, and the Falcons ended up winning it 32-28 but yeah really really tight affair really good game I wouldn't want to play it again yeah so just looking down the statistics at some of those and, and I'm, I'm going to try and appease our angry uh, listener um, with this so well, we've obviously got the pick six in there from Ed McKenna that's that's yeah. got to be quite big Lewis you've thrown five passing touchdowns Dale's thrown four and both of you have thrown three interceptions now is uh, and you, it's easy to look at the statistics and go, well, that was quite a heavy turnover game. I definitely know from film that one of Dale's is like an arm punt on a fourth down. So were were the turnovers a big influence on that game, or is it just I'm reading too much into it? Uh, I think so, yeah, but I'd, well, maybe not actually, because I mean, one of ours, we obviously the the pick six from Ed is is huge. That really turned the game around. And well, I mean, we thought at, at the time that this came that that Ed makes that pick six, we kind of thought, right, we cannot lose from here. All we've got to do is run the ball and, and, and kill the clock. There's, and, and, you know, they, there's no way that they can come back from this. And then I think it was like second down, Lee White gets that interception from a, a one yard pitch play whilst he's, whilst he's blitzing, uh, which they would eventually, about it, yeah, I, I've watched it so many times on film. I hate it. Um, but, uh, you know, they they would eventually go on to score from that play, and then you're kind of thinking, okay, now we really don't have time to to mess around, um, and we just got to kill this clock, which which we did. Uh, but I mean, Tommy got a, an interception as well, but we weren't able to capitalize on that. I think we went four and out after that one. Um, so I'm not sure how much the the uh, the interceptions, other than that pick six, necessarily. Um, Played a played a part. Um, I I know that Matt Matt Burke had a, another statistically um, impressive day with two touchdowns. Uh, but I think compared to other games, I think we managed to keep him relatively quiet and force Dale to well not quiet, but we forced Dale to kind of um, move the ball around a little bit more. And uh, apologies if I butcher this name, but um, Jan Coetzee. Uh, was right. was his uh, his other favourite target forced him to to get to that kind of progression, um, forced him to move the ball around and Jan had a pretty good game. He only got the one touchdown, but like he's a big guy, he's tall, he's broad. It's difficult for someone who's as skinny as Will Granger to uh, you know get an arm around and put a ball and, and poke a ball out. So Jan benefited from his frame a little bit, uh, moved the chains and, and got a touchdown. Um, so yeah, uh, a bit of credit there. Like I say, we didn't necessarily keep Matt quiet, but Tommy did a pretty good job of um, you know getting the hand in there and batting some balls out. And uh, he wasn't necessarily as as open as he has been in, uh, or as dominant as he has been in in previous games. Uh, I'd also say that the Gators benefited a lot from some. I'm going to say lucky plays because there was at least two which went right through the defender's hands uh, and and there was someone there. So um, Matt's extra point, I think it was, um, he, uh, yeah, that went straight through the hands of Paul Hindle, who was playing cornerback and Matt was behind it. Thank you very much. He took that and uh, another one went straight through the hands of Ed uh, at the back of the end zone and Charlie Shepard was there. to, to take the touchdown so a couple of lucky plays that they that they benefited from but you know you take take those don't you everyone benefits sometimes swings and roundabouts and all that 
Yeah, absolutely. And Luke, I'm sort of going to point this question at you um, as our sort of defensive uh, representative today on the podcast. So, on, on on the stat line, so Patrick Smith, who's the who's the extra Falcons blitzer, seemed to have he had three sacks and two tackles for loss. You know, as, as a defensive DB, really, what does that do to you as a team when you get that sort of performance out of a blitzer? I um, so we we sort of say in our team, um, and it's just an estimate; it's a bit of a throwaway term, but I think there's actually a lot of truth in it. Is that the blitzer is like sixty percent of the D. I think any time where you're playing DB, we've got an amazing uh, blitzer on our side, uh, a guy called uh, Quasi, who's just fantastic. When you're playing with him, you know, you'll have guys trying to do double or triple moves on you. When you trust your blitzer, you know that you can strike on that first one with a lot of confidence because you know if they start trying to add in anything fancy on top of that, the likelihood is they'll never get the ball out. Um, so a performance like that is absolutely game-changing. And I think, frankly, when, when a blitzer performs like that, they've essentially put the defensive performance on their back. And I think it, it's, it's an absolute game-changing scenario. And as a corner, it just allows you to be so much more aggressive. It ups the interceptions, lowers the yards made. It, it, it's, it's a win all round for the D when a blitzer plays like that. It, it, it sends shockwaves through how the D can perform. Yeah, Patrick's a a massive part of our defence. I mean, he currently leads the country in in sacks. So, yeah, he is uh, a lot of... A lot of Exeter defenders can uh, owe owe Patrick a pint. He's been massive for us this year. I think, and the way... And last point on this, the way that Kings refer to blitzing is really like it's our special teams. You know, it's it's so specialised as a job, but it really is a third of the game. You know, it's so, so important to the way a team plays. And, mm. uh, uh, and and as we're going to come on to this next game with David Counts, who had a bit of a day himself, it, it really can change the course of, a, of course of a game. So with that, let's talk about then Swansea Hammerheads versus Cardiff Bay Coyotes, which, which finished, Lewis, 43-38. It did. And another really exciting game that um, perhaps uh, nobody saw coming. Um because you know Swansea uh, are up there in that top three, and Cardiff are, are sort of middling around at a 500 record. But I think Cardiff are really starting to hit their stride at the minute, and they're really starting to see it. I, I don't think they won a game on the day, but they they absolutely balled out all day, uh, and their offense in particular was on fire. Um, I think uh, yeah, Tynan had a great day all round, um, but. Uh, Unfortunately, on this one, I think they were. This was this was back and forth. Swansea scored on every single um, on every single drive, uh, but they weren't converting extra points. Um, and Cardiff were, I think, only missed one drive, and that ended up just being being the difference. You've got a, a five point deficit here, and that is just one drive that that Cardiff uh, weren't able to punch it in. Yeah, it's interesting. And Cardiff were bolstered really with a, a new signing in Hugh Davis over from the Cardiff Hurricanes, um, who had two tackles for loss in the game. And I know he blitzed me in some of the other games as well. You know, Ash is, is, is you know, I, if I've, I think I'm previous on the podcast, I've said he's about six foot. And we'll, we'll keep him six foot, right? <laughs> um, but he's, he's, in terms of height, he's not, the, or he's not your typical Justin Herbert six foot seven type of QB. And Hugh is a big guy. Do you think that potentially plays a, a bit of a part into changing the game for the, the Coyotes? Maybe against that extra gear on, on defense? You know, Flo's an excellent speed blitzer, but then to get a bit of height on the team as well and mix it up? I think, I mean, I've not, I've not seen Hugh play for, for a number of years, but from, uh, from the last time that I was seeing the Hurricanes um, play regularly, 
he will bring not just a wealth of experience, but just like a defensive mind that is that is quite well. It's probably quite desperate in in that in that camp. He's so smart, and I mean, I think he's only been to one. He, he was a late sign-in. Um, I'd be surprised if he's even been to one training session uh, with the Coyotes before before this game day. So the more practice that he can get under their belt and the experience that he brings and just the the smarts. The, the football intelligence that he can bring, that defense is going to be uh, is going to be one to one to look out for. And like I say, their offense is really starting to surge at the minute. They put up loads of points. They were really unfortunate um, on the weekend not to come away with a win. I uh, they put up uh, 38 against the Hammerheads and, and 48 against the Kings, but and and came away winless. Um, so. Yeah, and there's some tightening up to do on that defense, and I think that is going to be something that Hugh will will definitely be able to uh, plug some of those holes. And they they one they definitely want to watch that offense is good, and that defense is just going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before we talk about the Coyotes again in the next set of next game, I just want to throw a, a sort of mention out to Jack Wright, um, who seems to have not necessarily come from nowhere this year, but has absolutely grown into the into the year, I'd say. You know, really young player. He's got an interception on the day in that game. He's got three receiving touchdowns and a tackle for loss. I mean, being all over the stat sheet like that, I think he's a player that's under 23 as well. You've got to think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Absolutely. And, and you know, we talked a lot about uh, how much it might affect the Hammerheads with, with Coop leaving um, to play for the Flash. And it seems like they just haven't missed a beat. Uh, and Jack's just, yeah stepped in next man up right that's the mentality and and yeah i don't think they're missing the beat at the minute yeah business as usual cool we'll move on to the final game then you wanted to touch on um and really we sort of we're going to start this off with cardiff bay coyotes um scoring a lot of points but it's the kings versus coyotes so coyotes finish up follow up their 38 point scorer with a 48 point scorer and still managed to come away uh with two losses on the day so 86 points from two games what would you take lewis so we were we were playing Salisbury at the time. Our game finished a lot earlier, and I only actually managed to catch the last two minutes of this game. Um, so I'll let you elaborate. But I mean, even the last two minutes of this game was so intense and so exciting to watch. I think the Coyotes were up by a point, or maybe a score. I'm not sure when I when I um, I can't remember. They were up when I came over and 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 started watching. Um, and it just even the the last two minutes were just so exciting and so many fireworks but uh i'll let you uh let, let us know you know what went down from from the beginning yeah i think the story of the game really was it was a greatly improved coyotes team from when we last played them i mean tynan's done a fantastic job with that offense of keeping them really really steady he's clearly got a set of plays that work for him um and they can get him over the hump in certain situations and it's nothing really that flashy. It's just doing the real fundamentals of offense really, really well. Um, so he was able to throw six on the day with, I think, Ben Harris put down for one. I don't particularly remember that. Um, but at halftime, the score, I think Coyotes were up by two scores. Um, we really had to reassess what we were doing on offense. I think I threw one pick on a on a ball that was actually open. I just underthrew it. Um, you know, these mistakes happen. And, and, and Coyotes were just clean on the day, really, in the first half. Second half, we came out and we scored 40 points. Um, second half, we made some adjustments going in with defense. We brought Crag back across onto safety just to deal with some of the some of the nuanced stuff that uh, the Coyotes were doing. And it proved to be a difference as he got two picks. Um, you know, in terms of spreading the ball around, we, we Chris Green got three touchdowns. Ollie Shrewsbury, who's come across from, uh, from Reading's contact side for the first time, has got three touchdowns. Dave got two and Crag got one. 
So we spread the ball around a lot. I think I think really the key of the game was um, being consistent and being calm on, on offense to be able to be able to come back from two scores down and, and our defense is making making the right adjustment at the right time to, to generate a couple of turnovers. Um, but yeah, that, that coach team is a lot better than it than it was at the start of the year and, and you do feel bad for them coming away with two losses there. I don't necessarily think it's fair. There was definitely some gamesmanship in the game as well. Um, I mean, there was a Dave Camps did his best to, to manage what was quite a tight game anyway at referee, but you know we had a two-pointer where, uh, where one of the safeties went and just cleaned out the player, even though he caught it just because I think he thought it was clever. And there could have been an ejection as well that went with that. So, <laughs> um, you know, but all in, all in good spirits afterwards, which was like, you know, it was a tight game. It was a tense game. There was definitely some chatting going on, but everybody was hugging afterwards. So, uh, yeah, uh, a good a good advert for flag i would say but you can just you can just tell what time is done with that offense in terms of in terms of nailing down what is precisely needed from from his team right now it's it's changed the way that cardiff can play and they've probably gone up a gear in my estimation yeah absolutely we, we, i mean we played them in in week one and they're a completely different team now so uh you know there's we're certainly not going into that game going all right well we've beaten cardiff before we know what they can do you know let's, let's just do the business now they're, they're dangerous now absolutely Cool. Um, as Gareth has decided not to join us, we hope he's uh, we hope he's well. We hope he's uh, alive somewhere um, and not suffering from any weird ailments. We'll we'll review the tables very quickly. So, Southern Premiership, we've got Cardiff Hurricanes sitting atop at eight and zero, uh, followed closely by the London Smoke, who are on this at four and two. Uh, and at the bottom of the Premiership at the moment, we've got the Western Supers at one and five, and the Avesbury Rail Spartans at one and six. In terms of the South East South West Division 1 at the top, we've got London Flash 12 and 0, Reading Devils 11 and 1, and Exeter Falcons 10 and 1. Uh, very tight there. And at the bottom, we're looking at uh, Waveney Wolves 2 and 11, Salisbury Cities uh, Marauders 2 and, 11, 2 and 12, Berkshire Renegades 1 and 12, and Solent Redstorm 0 and 14. Um, there's definitely a, a cluster, and, and I'm sure there'll be a, a good chance to do playoff predictions and, and national championship predictions on the next show. Um, but that, gents, has, anything, has anybody got anything else they want to touch down? Any more shout-outs? Uh, I'd, I'd written down a couple of scores. I'm, like, I'm obviously, none of us were there, but um, just a couple of scores from that uh, that other Premiership game day that we were hoping Gareth would cover. But like um, some some interesting-looking games. Uh, I think we'd kind of written the, the, the Western Supers off a little bit at the beginning of the year, but um, they they came away with a tie. We've got another tie mm. in the South. 33-all um, against Victoria Park Panthers, another team that, uh, well... Gareth in particular had written off at the beginning of the year, so that looks like it was a, a really, uh, really interesting contest. And then they followed that up with a magnificent 41-20 victory over the Aylesbury-Vale Spartans, who are uh, seemingly trending down ever since um, ever since the news of, uh, of the, the fearless leader, Jeff Bond, um, sort of uh, hang, hung up his cleats because... Uh, Definitely some availability issues going on in that camp on that particular day. Say 41-20 to the Supers, followed up with a 1-0 forfeit um, to the, the Cougars afterwards. They weren't able to, to field the team due to injury. Um, and then the last one that I'd kind of picked up on for that week was um, the Cougars versus VPP. Again, we'd written off the, the, the VPP a little bit, but Gareth put them at the bottom of the table and they weren't happy about it. So... They they put their money where their mouth was and and put a forty one thirty five victory over the Cougars who have been uh, impressive this year and sort of battling with the Titans and and the Chichester Sharks for that sort of third place um, that second place behind uh, behind the um, 
hurricanes in the southwest. Yeah, we're certainly getting towards the business end of the year. Um, and I, I'm excited to see what the next few weeks brings in terms of results. But anyway, uh, in lieu of that, my name's been Jay Ballamy, and I've been joined by Lewis Phillips, Ryan Homolo McKeveney, and Luke Warren Champion. And uh, we'll catch you next time. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and 15 Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customized sportswear supplies. Oh, 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 oh,